Ridiculously Happy People cast. I'm Sophia Lemon, and I'm super excited today because today I am talking to Nikki Gal. And if you do not Nikki know Nikki Gal, you're going to shortly. Hi, Nikki. Hi, Sophia. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am so good. I'm so excited. Thanks so much for inviting me on your show. Well, thank you so much for coming on my show. I love it. This is fantastic. And of course, I need you to introduce yourself because you have so much going on that I just cannot <laughs> wrap it up all into yeah. one beautiful bow. So why don't you go ahead and just tell the listeners who you are and all of the things that you do and what brought us to this podcast episode? Absolutely. Well, again, thanks so much for having me. I love this pl- platform. I think it's incredible. I think what you're doing is incredible. Um, so first of all, thank you. And second, my name is Nikki Gal. I am a fashion model and also an entrepreneur. And then I also am a mental health advocate as well. I do a lot of advocacy work alongside my entrepreneurial works. Um, and I've been in the modeling industry for about 10 years now. So yeah, honestly, my life is just, I guess, a big creative ball, <laughs> I would say. Yeah. A big uh, creative ball of a mess perhaps um, but it's an organized mess and it's a happy mess so that's what I'll say that's what I'll say about myself (laughs) a ridiculously happy mess (laughs) yes (laughs) um so you were recently on my friend Becky's podcast small towns big dreams podcast because you are a small towner is that correct I am yeah I am I'm from uh, central Massachusetts that's where I grew up and yeah, I keep my small town roads very close to me. So yeah, no, it was amazing connecting with Becky as well. I love Becky. I think she's an incredible woman. Um, and yeah, I was on her show a few months ago and uh, that's how you found me. So that was yeah. really cool. I love I loved her podcast. I love being on her show as well. I think it was such a treat. She's fantastic. She's so fun. And while I was listening, she was so excited about interviewing you, by the way. She's like texting me. She's like, oh my God, I'm interviewing her soon. And the interview was great. Um, And I remember listening to it and I heard you say that you advocate for mental health and for people working in the modeling industry. And that's what really got me interested in talking directly with you. And we're going to get into that stuff a little bit later on. Um, But most of my clients, I say, don't like having their photo taken. So now we're talking with someone who has their photo taken on a regular basis. Um, What got you interested in becoming a model? Because for what I remember, you were quite young when you started modeling. Yes. 15? Yeah, I was 15. Can you believe that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Crazy. So how did you, how'd you get interested in, in modeling? And just, yeah, tell me how. <laughs> how? It's a long story. I think that's like a okay. million dollar question, right? How did, how did you get involved? How did you start? Yeah. How do I start? You know, like I, I get those questions all the time asked to me. Um, yeah, I mean, I've always, yeah, I mean, you know, I've always been, you know, involved in the fashion industry from young age. Um, I loved it. You know, I absolutely loved it. Even, even before I started modeling, I remember going, you know, watching these, you know, television shows on, you know, my parents' living room, fashion shows and fashion books. And I used to play with little paper dolls as a child. And I know, you know, fashion was always something that was very creative for me. It was something very expressive um, and very artistic. So that was kind of my introduction to really the fashion industry or the fashion world, really my, I guess, initial introduction. Um, And then when I was 12 years old, I got scouted. Um, I went to an open cast with my mother. I got scouted at a fashion mall when I, or not a fashion mall, (laughs) Uh, just a regular mall, but I got scouted by a fashion uh, agent at a mall and um, went to the open casting. I was 12 and I got rejected because I was too young. And I was like, oh, like, I'm so upset. Like, I really wanted, I really wanted to be a model at 12. Like, why did they reject me? And then I was 15, I got scouted 
it again. And that's how the ball kind of just started rolling and yeah, the snowball effect. And um, I got signed to my first agency when I was 15. Um, And then I got signed again to another agency when I was 16. So it all happened very quick for me. When I look back on photos, I laugh because I I didn't even know how to move. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I look back and I'm like, wow, you know, like I was so young, but I was I was so ambitious and I was so I'm just excited to be there and just really take it for what it was and experience it in the moment. Um, And so, yeah, so I've been in that industry now, fashion industry, working as a model for about 10 years now. And it's been, it's been a ride. I will say that. (laughs) It's been a ride. It's my journey, right? But what, what isn't everything is, Um, but I, you know, it's been, it's been incredible what the fashion industry has, has given me um, not only just as a model, but also as an individual. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine you would have learned a ton from working as a model and, And from what I've observed in my experience of the modeling industry, it's a lot of like show up and the clothes go on and not a lot of talking. So I am assuming, (laughs) I'm assuming you had all of that time to observe and just take everything in and learn everything that you possibly can, which is probably why, am I counting this right? You've started four or five businesses and how many nonprofits in the last five years? Yeah, five companies and two nonprofits. <laughs> it's been You're a minute. It's been, it's, it's been crazy. Yeah, it's been crazy. I mean, I say it's been a minute because I mean, it's it goes by so quick, right? Um, yeah. You know, I mean, I've always been involved in fast-paced industries from a young age. Um, I started in yeah. fashion industry when I was fifteen. As we both know, the fashion industry is very fast-paced. Um, so is the entrepreneurial route. Um, any type of entrepreneurial business and is very fast-paced. And I started when I was twenty. Um, so ever since, you know, really my whole, I guess, um, adult adult introduction to the adult world was I've always been involved in fast-paced industries even as a teenager um but it's really carved me it's really carved me as a woman to uh you know really be disciplined with myself and it showed me a lot of discipline and it showed me a lot of just structure that I needed um you know I like to always credit my modeling experiences and my, my modeling career as really the training wheels to my life as an entrepreneur um it really gave me the strength and the guidance that I needed um in order to not just start up one company but you know five <laughs> yeah um Plus, you know, two other nonprofits uh, that I'm also very passionate about. So it, it was kind of, again, another snowball effect in my life, you know, of just, you know, everything just kind of accumulating um, into this bigger picture um, and just really just having, you know, fun with it, you know, really just having fun and, and enjoying the ride and uh, learning, learning as well. So the listeners right now are going to be thinking, holy crap, this woman is doing a lot. So before we get into (laughs) too much of that, let's just talk about what it's like to sort of start in the modeling industry. So um, for anyone who's not listened to this podcast before and you don't know, I am a photographer, but I specialize in photographing people who don't like having their photo taken in general. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Enjoy it, you know, Um, but I work with families and proposals and weddings and stuff like that. And the fashion industry is very, very, very different. So the way that I would pose a family is going to be very different from how you would pose someone um, who is trying to make clothes look a very particular way. So let's get into that posing stuff because, you know, there's a lot of talk on this podcast specifically about social media and how it could be dangerous for the younger people in, um, (laughs) in our society. So you started at 15 and fast-paced environment. What's it like walking into a shoot? What's that experience like for you when you're even just first learning to, you know, get the right lighting and pose your body in the right way? And how did it feel being in front of the camera at first? 
Yeah. I mean, I remember my first photo shoot um, pretty vividly and pretty well, to be honest. Um, I was 15. We were doing a, a test shot with my agency. Um, my agent was there and there was a photographer that was where it is, that was present as well. And um, it was, it was really cool. It was, it was actually, wow, you know, I'm really here. <laughs> I'm really doing this. Yeah. Um, this is like, Ooh, this is, this is uh big time stuff, you know? And I was like, wow, you yeah. know, like, Oh, they have a real, they actually have a real camera, not like a fake one, like a real camera, <laughs> like, <laughs> a real like $5,000 camera. Um, so, you know, it was, it was an experience. Um, you know, it, I like to think of photography as very artistic. Um, I'm a photographer as well. I do a lot of, um, photography stuff with, as far as like vintage and Polaroid, um, mediums and things like that, of that nature. Um, I just love the creative, the creative essence of it and the creative flow. Um, you know, there's nothing like looking at a fo- at a photograph and saying, you know, wow, you know, I, I took that photo or wow, you know, mm. look, look at it. It's art. You know, it's, it's like a, it's like a canvas painting or something like that. You made that piece, you made that photograph. Um, so I, I would say, as, you know, as far as my own experiences, my, my first experiences in front of the camera, um, pretty tense at first. I remember I, when I first started modeling, I, I always had the habit of clenching my fists <laughs> out of oh. nerves. <laughs> yeah. And I remember a bunch of photographers would come up to me and say, don't do that. Don't do that. Doesn't look good in the photo. Doesn't look good in the photo. Doesn't look good in the photo. And I used to say, oh, okay, okay, relax, relax. So I've always been told to kind of just relax um, yeah. and, and just kind of go with the flow of the shoot and the nature of the shoot. Um, you yeah. know, it's, it's not always about taking the perfect photo. And you know that as a photographer as well. It's not oh, always yeah. about, you know, the perfect, perfect, perfect picture, perfect, if you will, you know, um, it's it's cool to embrace your mistakes in photos because those mistakes ultimately make the photograph even more beautiful or even more authentic or even more real and that's the beauty of photography there are no mistakes and it's just like art there are no mistakes in art um you know it's it's beautiful it's a beautiful beautiful um you know sequence of events as far as photography because you can really just live in the moment and embrace the moment as well so yeah that's kind of a little bit of tips that i've learned as far as my own modeling career um, even when awesome. I work with clients, oh, it's, yeah, it's beautiful. I, I look back at my experiences and I'm, I'm so like, wow, you know, it's cool. It's like going back in time, you know, it's cool. It's, I, again, I still remember everything so vividly. Um, but you know, even clients that I work with my own photography clients, um, you know, I've shot a lot of, you know, models, um, their digitals to get signed with agents as well. And, um, it's just been such a beautiful experience helping them and really mentor them to build their portfolio effectively and, you know, really help them apply themselves in the best way possible, um, to also get signed to agencies to, you know, pursue their modeling dreams. So it's been great, you know, so I've been, I've been on both sides. I've been in front of the camera and I've been behind the camera. So (laughs) it's been great. I'm Lauren Best. And in my podcast, I have conversations with compelling creatives and answer your questions. I dive into what I've learned as a voice coach and performance poet and share why over 15 years of music leadership has shaped my collaborative approach. I reveal how I've reawakened my own creativity. Subscribe to my new show, Lauren's Best, wherever you get your podcasts. Join me on Substack for exclusive bonus content, laurenbest.substack.com. Hey, listen up. Tamara here from the Clean It Club podcast interrupting. Sorry, not sorry. I just wanted to let you know that if you love this podcast, you might just love the Clean It Club as well. We are all about deep cleaning our lives from the inside out, digging those skeletons out of our closets and letting go of what no longer serves us. So roll up your sleeves, dust off those life lessons, and join me and my friends as we learn how to navigate our way to a life with more love, more laughter, and maybe less piles of laundry. Find the Clean It Club podcast on Spotify.
Hi, I'm Becky Waples, the host of the Small Towns Big Dreams podcast. The podcast that celebrates small town creators and shares their stories. From their background to where they found their courage, from their challenges to their wins, from where they found their inspiration to how they took their first step, join us each week to hear how each guest turned their big dreams into reality. If you are a creator, an entrepreneur, or love someone who is, subscribe now to the Small Towns Big Dreams podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and let's grow together. That's awesome. So you can definitely give a lot of perspective on what it's like to be standing in both positions. Oh, definitely. Yes. (laughs) As the case may be. Um, So when you were getting into modeling, like, were you on social media? Were you familiar with the magazines? Did you know what was going on with regard to everyone saying that the fashion industry is horrible for body image? (laughs) Uh, you know, yeah, you know, I've heard about that. You know, obviously, when you're a child, you're going to look at fashion magazines in the supermarket. And I certainly did. And I would say, oh, my gosh, I want to be like that girl and on the cover of Vogue or the cover of Elle or the cover of Harper's Bazaar, or the cover of Glamour, something like that, some major magazine. Um, so I was very familiar with the magazines growing up. My mother, she had a bunch of vintage, I don't want to say vintage, but, you know, like 90s catalogs, uh, you know, fashion catalogs and things like that. And I, so, I, I used to step through as a child and say, oh, my gosh, like, I probably want to do that. I still want to do that. Um, you know, you know, I mean, I loved it. It was, it was like, Ooh, what's that? It was like completely other world, completely other world, the fashion world to me as a child, the mystique of it all was, was really what attracted me initially. Um, because I thought to myself, wow, you know, and also, you know, I mean, even as a young girl, I thought fashion's really artistic, you know, how do I get involved in this? You know, like, I really like this. Um, you know, it was, it was really cool. It was really cool. Um, but yeah, body image, you know, I think it's all individualistic. Um, I have advocated in my adult years, um, you know, as far as body image and channeling into yourself and uh, obviously alongside mental health and, and body positivity as well. I think those things are so important, um, not just for women, but also younger girls, um, like teenage girls or tween girls in their tweens or, you know, things like that. Um, so I've taken it upon myself to really advocate, but do it in a really effective and, you know, authentic way um, to really get the main, you know, picture across. I think, you know, for me personally, I've, I've had people, you know, come up to me or not really come up to me, but I guess come up to me through a DM on Instagram, not yeah, in person, yeah. but through a DM. <laughs> Two different things. Um, and, you know, people would say, oh, that's, that's kind of, you know, trivial coming from you because, you know, you are the one that's promoting these unrealistic, you know, beauty standards because you are, you are in magazines, you are doing editorials, you are, you know, really part of that commercialized factory of, of pumping out all these images such as, you know, the fashion industry and things like that. And, I, it's funny because I, I don't really have like an, a great response for that, but my best response and I, and I literally say, I say, you know, it's all on how you view it. You know, yeah. some people might view a fashion editorial as an artistic piece of art, just like me, but other people might be very triggered by that. So, which is fine. There's no right or wrong way how to um, translate things or, you know, take things visually. Um, but one thing that I can say is it's, it's all about setting boundaries. If you are looking at something that affects you in a negative way or affects your well-being or your mental health in a negative way, don't look at it. You know, there are ways of, you know, again, setting boundaries for yourself and saying, you know what, I'm not going to look at, I'm not going to look at that today. I don't, I don't have to, I'm not going to put myself through it. Um, so just setting boundaries with yourself. I've even in my own life, I've set boundaries with myself as well um, with, you know, social media, for example, I can mm-hmm. use that as a perfect example. I've set, you know, breaks on social media because even social media, just the nature of it all can become very triggering for myself and my mental health. Yeah. So I really just learned to block it out. Um, and that's what I tell other people as well. You know, I, I think it's so important. And I also like to say that um, I don't know if you're familiar with the Dove campaigns. Mm-hmm. I 
freaking love those campaigns. And I, through the years, I've, I've literally done so much um, advocacy, you know, within my own platforms, but also um, bringing those campaigns to the table as well, the Gov campaigns, because they are so important. And there's so many people who I'm sure have seen these, but more people need to see these because they really give an authentic viewpoint and really a, a, a beautiful message of what beauty really is, um, you know, minus the exterior, minus, you know, the, the magazine covers or the editorials, um, you know, it, it really shows that beauty is also from the inside as well, not just from an exterior point of view. So I also like to shed highlight on that. And those those campaigns have also helped me as well, both in my adult life and, you know, my life as a teenager, too. So it's, mm-hmm. it's I try to just keep a balanced, you know, perspective on it. But, um, you know. I like to say that. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think if people could look at the fashion industry as, you know, that art thing that you're referring to, oh yeah, could sure. give people a lot of, you know, let them ease off the frustration with it. I think, I think yeah. people forget that this is uh, a huge number of people who this is their self-expression or their artistic expression or you know whatever they choose to call it. So. Um, everyone's artistic ex- expression is valuable and everyone's feelings are valuable. So absolutely. Yeah. We should probably not. Yeah. <laughs> throw, out the baby with, throw out the baby with the bathwater, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I love that you said, you know, fashions and art, it really is. Um, and that was again, why I was so, uh, you know, na- really just uh, so attracted to it as a young child, because um, I never thought of it as it never, you know, fashion really, it never made me feel bad. Um, even when I was a child, it never made me feel bad. It never made me feel sad. If anything, it made me feel really happy. It made me feel really artistic. It made me want to express myself. Um, you know, even as a young girl, I used to have, you know, this this dress up bin. <laughs> you know, <what> I mean? cool. <laughs> and I used to just That's dress awesome. myself up. You know, and it was it was fun for me. Even I was even doing that as a kid. You know, I do it now yeah. as a, for a living. But you know, as a kid, I was doing it too. So it was it was great. You know, I I, I always like to just see the artistic point of view and everything, yeah. not just with fashion, but really in other many facets of my life too so you don't have a dress-up bin for pleasure anymore oh I do I have a closet now it's a a closet (laughs) that's a good that's a good point (laughs) (laughs) so you weren't you weren't feeling like overly self-conscious starting out but you were feeling just nervous in front of the camera right like have those nerves ever gone away or do you still find if you step in front of a camera you're still a little bit like Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, I I think too. Like it's it's funny because I always I always tense up, right? It, I could be I could be on a shoot with a photographer that I've been working with for years that I've known for years, and I still tense up. And I think that's just the nature of it, you know. When you have a camera in your face, and you know you're kind of like trying to maneuver the situation and like trying to just be like the best yeah. model or best, you know, you're trying to sell a clothes, you're trying to sell clothes, or you're trying to sell a handbag. Let's just for example, or something like that you want to make the client happy. And I think that's what really makes me scared um, because I don't want to, you know, I don't want to put too much pressure on myself, but hey, I got to put some pressure on myself because I have to sell this handbag. <laughs> There's a lot of pressure, um, but not really as far as like my body image or anything like that, but just more so artistically yeah. and how I have to really deliver this product, to, you know, from, uh, you know, from an artistic point of view and, and really capture the client's, uh, you know, vision as well. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I love just working with clients that, and I've worked with a lot of independent female luxury fashion designers and I, I just love the whole 
thing of it because it, it's just like wow you know it's it's like a combination of two worlds colliding in the best way possible and yeah. when you get to collab on a you know on a project you know or on a set um with so many beautiful women that also share the same passion as you not just modeling but also with fashion it's yeah. amazing and um that's those have been those have been some of the best experiences that I've had within my modeling career is just working with beautiful um artistic fun um yeah. you know powerhouse of, of these women that are involved in the fashion industry as fashion designers um you know that was just I love it you know I love it so when I work with when I work with people that can you know help me to you know how to shoot or something like that you know they can kind of pull me and say okay well this is what we're gonna do oh my gosh the nerves go away you know it makes me so much feel so much more comfortable and uh you know really puts me at ease so the, having the conversation and going back and forth on the creative aspects of it, you find that's what helps you sort of relax a little bit in a session? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Communication is key. You know, communication is key, you know, because um, in a lot of ways yeah. when you're out there, you kind of have to, you know, obviously maneuver something, you know, the whole thing yourself. Right. But when you have people on set that are willing to work with you and really willing to direct you, oh my gosh. Yeah. It's beautiful. It, it makes me feel like, wow, okay. Like now I know what I'm doing. I'm not really out yeah. there on my own. I can actually have some guidance and have some, have some pointers here and there. So I'm, I'm a, I'm an eager learner. I love learning. Um, so yeah. I, I love when I receive feedback or, Hey, you know, maybe you should put your arm more like that way, or maybe you should hold the bag like that, or maybe you should do yeah. your hair like that. You know, it just gives me more freedom and it gives me more guidance and flexibility as, as not just like a model, but also as, you know, talent. So that's really excellent. I love that advice because like I mentioned, most of the people that I work with when I'm working with them, they are also very nervous, like very much the same, like clenching the fists and oh yeah, <laughs> generally looking terrified in their facial expression. Um, and I trick them into calming down pretty frequently by just talking to them. Yeah. 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 You're just having right. a conversation and small talk. Just, yeah. Yeah. You know, can kind of like take away the fear yeah. of being in Break front of the, the ice camera. a little bit. Yeah. Well, a lot of it is just being comfortable in your own shoes and your own body and being able to get vulnerable. And you mentioned that word a little bit earlier, getting vulnerable in front of the camera. Do you find that that's difficult for you or do all these conversations and everything help? Or does it happen when you put on the makeup or get your hair done or when the clothes go on? Or at what point do you feel confident? Ooh. Um, I mean, it's not so much the makeup or the hair or, uh, the clothes, you know, I, I think the most confident that I feel is without uh, any makeup on and my hair natural and, you know, I'm just wearing some sweatpants and a, you know, t-shirt maybe, you know, that's where I feel the most confident. I don't think it's all about, I mean, as much as I love being in front of, you know, the camera with like a, you know, full face of makeup on and yeah. like Cindy Crawford hair, like, you know, like I, I love, I love that. It's, it's glam, it's fun, it's edgy, it's artistic, it's expressive. Yeah. Um, I get to play that character for the day. But when it all comes off, I'm I'm myself. I'm I'm me, and that's yeah. I think the most you know connected that I feel to myself personally on a more spiritual level. I'm I like to think of myself as kind of my own canvas. Um, so it's cool when people can I guess use my face and you know my body as a canvas for their art. But I love being the canvas of my own art, my own muse. Very cool. So I am with you on the sweatpants thing. When I I feel best when I'm also wearing sweatpants. I mean, who doesn't? Wearing... <laughs> Yeah, 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 and I'm wearing them right now. Um, <laughs> I'm wearing jeans, so <laughs> I wish I was in sweatpants right now, but I'm not. <laughs> um, I am 
I want more of my clients to go in that direction, not full blown sweatpants for photo sessions, but being themselves and less like looking at other things and more focusing on, you know, dressing like themselves, behaving like themselves, doing things that they would normally do um, to sort of bring their own personalities out in their family photos, right? Um, do you have any suggestions for people who feel nervous to distract themselves or just get feeling themselves? Just, you know, bring out their normal laughter and their normal positive attitude and that sort of thing. Do you have any recommendations for people struggling with that? Oh, um, definitely put on some music. Music Ooh, yeah. at a photo shoot has helped, you know, has helped me so much. And it could be anything. It doesn't have to be necessarily like your favorite song, but really just a song that's fun and and like happy and upbeat. That can really get people to just shake their nerves off. Um, and then you can also just do the classic like shaking your, you know, shaking your hands and just get it all out as well. Um, you know, it's all about being very loose in front of the camera as far as, you know, your muscles and, you know, you don't want to be, you know, photographed with your muscles tensed and you look very, you know, agitated and scared, you know, um, you kind of want to just shake those nerves away. So yeah, I, I think music plays a huge part in that. Um, I mean, I'll tell you a funny story I was on a shoot um this was oh gosh maybe like five six years ago and I was just you know just kind of the photographer was like oh you know like how do, how is she gonna you know can you pose a little bit more like this and they weren't really getting the right shot and so next to you know they put on ACDC and <laughs> boom 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 shot 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 and I don't know what it was I don't even listen to ACDC but that one song just <laughs> made me made me deliver the shots and made me deliver the photograph and uh the photographer said that that was the quote-unquote million dollar shot of the day so I think I did something right <laughs> he was like this is great this is gold um so it was it was funny so it's funny what different songs can kind of bring that out of you um but also too just focusing on the moment you know again have fun I, I always like to say that you know it's all about having fun and again just like we were saying before it's not so much about getting the perfect photo or the perfect lighting or the perfect posture yeah. or pose um it's it's just having fun and the most i don't know if you can relate to this but the most the most uh candid images are the best in my opinion so when not you know when you take a photograph that's not so overly posed that those are the shots that in my opinion usually speak the speak the most um and i've had that both within my career as a model and also you know doing my own photography as well so it's always the candid shots that you make you think twice and you know you stare at a little longer so <laughs> yeah absolutely and i've also found that it helps um and we talked about this a little bit earlier but it really helps when you're working with the right person like if you're working with a photographer or a team that you don't like you're probably and not that this matters in your industry necessarily you're probably not going to like your photos right um but if you're working with someone that you like mesh with really well and you get along with really well and you're having fun while you are having your photo taken you're probably going to like your photos it's wild how that works but it yes, does <laughs> definitely I mean I've been on sets where the photographer and I we don't really like it's kind of some awkward energy not like hateful yeah. energy or anything like that but it's just like hey yeah. I'm here you're here how you doing mm -hmm. shake let's shake hands you know things like that but it's so funny because this has happened on more than one occasion in the beginning it's so awkward and intense because we're on a job yeah. but then yeah. at the end we're like hey like we're like friends you know what I mean yeah. so 
that's just how it usually ends up for me. <laughs> um, but, you know, I'm usually like, hey, you know, like, hey, like, this is so cool. You know, so we, we end up being kind of pals, you know, towards the end of it. Um, but, yeah. yeah, you know, just uh, having fun, having fun, you know. And, um, you know, if you can smile, too, I always say, you know, smile, too. I think, you know, smiling in a photograph says a million words. It's uh, yeah. beautiful. And um, not so much with fashion photography. There's not many smiles go- smiling going yes. on <laughs> here. But as far as, you know, lifestyle and things like that, as far as as far as your industry yeah. and your own, yeah smiling yeah. I mean you probably know that but <laughs> yes I do recommend that people smile most of the time you'd be amazed by how many people just will not smile because they don't like their teeth and that's it yeah there's nothing wrong yeah. with their teeth but it's it's amazes me the number of people who are like I don't like my smile and I, I'm like you walk around every day of your life not liking your smile that's crazy yeah. Yeah. what do you do when someone makes you laugh I know. I know. It's sad. sad. It is sad. (laughs) Speaking of speaking of sad, let's talk about mental health for a little bit. (laughs) All right. So I need you to explain to me how you advocate for mental health um, in your industry and why. Let's get into it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm excited to get into it. Mental health has been something that I've been so passionate about. Um, really since I was a kid. Um, I think mental health has always spoke a lot for me because um, I witnessed it a lot growing up. And also into my teenage years, when I entered the fashion industry, I saw a lot of mental health, um, you know, encounters and, and people struggling and people really suffering. And it made me think twice, you know, it made me think, wow, you know, and no one was ever really talking about it. And it made me think to myself, well, why aren't people talking about it? Why, why isn't yeah. this the topic? Why aren't people really speaking up? Um, and then the more I did my research and I kind of, you know, had my own life experiences, I said to myself, oh, wow, there's a lot of stigmata. There's a lot of shame. There's a lot of, um, you know, just, just false representation and a lot of miscommunication, but also a lot of misconceptions. And so throughout my old, my own platforms, I, I told myself, you know, even prior to starting a nonprofit, I said, how can I, how can I change this? How can I create a positive change? Um, but also bring people together and, and unify people together. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what I've done within my nonprofit. I launched my first nonprofit in 2021 and um, it was called Raw Talk with Nikki Gal. It was a podcast and platform pertaining to women's mental health specifically and I interviewed about 160 women less than two wow. years, um, women of all walks of life, all race, all religion, all backgrounds of life and, you know, everything. And I really had everyone's voice um, put on the platform and spoke and spoke their truth and regarding mental health. And it was such an amazing experience and really an educational one for me because all these women, they're so, they were all so different, but they had every, they had one thing in common, which was wanting to reflect their own authentic selves to each other. And they had so much in common in that, in that regard. And to me to really watch that, not only as an interviewer interviewing these women, but also um, just as a person, I was like, wow, you know, this is, this is interesting. This is very interesting. Um, So that was incredible. And then I thought to myself, wow, you know, that that podcast did really good. Um, It launched in 40 countries the first year, which I was like, wow. Um, And then that made me think to myself, well, you know, I kind of want to advocate more industry specific. Um, So Mm -hmm. that motivated me to advocate for, of course, the modeling industry event, because I've been in the modeling industry for about 10 years now. Um, I started when I was 15. I'm almost 26 now. So that I wanted to do something very, you know, specifically pertaining to the modeling industry because being in the modeling industry so young, I saw a lot of women, again, 
um, you know, be very conflicted and, and, you know, really suffer from their own mental health, um, whether that be anxiety, depression, body image um, problems, body dysmorphia, eating disorders, um, you know, so much in that one industry. And again, no one was really talking about it. So mm-hmm. that's another reason why I wanted to launch um, my second nonprofit, which was a podcast called The Model Memo. It launched in December of last year. And I've interviewed, I think, about 65 women so far all over the world. And uh, really just so many different models from so many different um, countries and explaining how the industry and how their mental health is affected by the industry over in their country. Um, Mm. And also the American market as well, the American fashion market as well. Um, And so I've just been able to speak with so many beautiful women. We've discussed topics um, such as eating disorders, um, obviously body dysmorphia, really the fast paced nature of the industry and how that impacts our mental health, um, Mm. social media, um, racism present still in the fashion industry, unfortunately. Um, yep. And honestly, just raw and candid conversations that need to be talked about, not just within the mental health community, but also within the model industry as well. So mm-hmm. it's been a very beautiful project. It's been a very uh, moving project for me. Um, I, I, I think for me, I when I first started, um, you know, advocating in particular into the modeling industry, as far as mental health, I never knew that I would be touched by so many stories and I would never believe that, wow, you know, this, this is affecting a lot of people and a lot of models share the same stories, believe it or not, um, which speaks volumes even more. Um, so it's, it's been very, very interesting. A lot of the women that I've interviewed on my podcast, um, are my friends that I've known for years and I've modeled with them for years. And a lot of these women, I, I, I don't know at all. Um, and we're just crossing paths now <laughs> and connecting now. Yeah. So it's, it's been a very, very eye-opening experience, but also a very powerful experience. Um, and so, yes. And then in addition to that, I also wish to spread the awareness that just because you see a model in an editorial photograph or a runway, um, you know, that doesn't mean that they don't have anything inside their brain. <laughs> you know, there's often yeah. that, man- that mannequin mentality of the model. Yeah. And uh, yeah. we're not mannequins, we're humans and we have emotions yeah. and we have, you know, every right to share our emotions. So Yellow, ridiculously happy people. I'm interrupting this regularly scheduled content to ask you for a little favor. If this pod has made you laugh, inspired you, or made you think, hit that subscribe button so you never miss a moment of our shenanigans. And don't be shy. Share the love by leaving a rating and a review. It's like a virtual high five that helps introduce the show to more ridiculously happy people and helps keep me on track with content that you actually want to hear. So grab your device, unless you're driving, tap that subscribe button, give us a five-star rating and write a little review about what you think about this episode. Your support means the world to me. And we're back in three, two, one. Yeah. You know, it's funny that we can look at a photo in a magazine and we will not think of like the photographer who took the photo, the makeup artist who did the makeup, like five makeup artists who did the makeup. Yeah. (laughs) That did the hair, all of the, you know, production team all of the PAs like everyone (laughs) you don't think about the like 30 50 people who are at that shoot on any given day and you'll you'll blame the mental health aspects of it on the model like that stuff's ridiculous to me (laughs) but we'll also look at those photos and assume that that person has no feelings whatsoever exactly um which is absurd exactly which is absurd so people models are humans Yes, (laughs) we are. (laughs) At least for the time being. Out of curiosity, how do you feel about all of this AI photo stuff? 
Oh, it's random. funny. I don't really pay attention to it. I'm a digital artist, so I know what it is. And I've, I've done my own research on it. I was actually talking to um, an editor of a magazine about this a couple months ago. And we actually okay. had a very in-depth conversation um, regarding AI. It's interesting. Um, it's definitely interesting when you see, you know, they even have AI models coming out now. So, no. Uh, no. Yeah, it's very interesting. Ugh. It's very interesting. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I, I think... Um, you know, technology, it's, it's only going to progress as the years go on. Uh, yeah. Just like it has ever since, you know, since I was a kid, I mean, oh my gosh, it's, ooh, <laughs> it's been, it's been crazy. I thought, you know, the iPad was revolutionary. I mean, look what we have now. So <laughs> it's true. It's true. Oh my goodness. You mentioned yeah. that a lot of the people you've been interviewing on your podcast um, are all over the world and talking about like the different things that are happening in the modeling industry and different countries and I wonder if there's anything that stood out to you um that's going on in different countries that I'm not familiar with and I'm gonna like embarrass myself right now but I listen to a lot of listen to watch a lot of the real housewives so I was like super fascinated by like any model who was on that show but learning from Yolanda on the real housewives about like in France they like their models a little bit skinnier I was like that's interesting yeah yeah so like, is, what else do you find is happening around the world that might not necessarily be happening in our neck of the woods um, oh, in the that, industry? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I've interviewed a lot of different models from, again, many different countries. Um, but I've also, I know a lot of fashion designers um, mm-hmm. across the world as well. Yes. Um, so I've, I've gotten kind of a lot of takes that I've kind of grown familiar with. Um, I would say... The, the most, the biggest one that stood out to me was out in France. Um, I have yeah. a dear friend of mine um, and we've been friends for years and she's been modeling out in Paris, um, gosh, for, I want to say five years, beautiful model. Uh, she's mm-hmm. incredible. Um, and she would tell me just like what you stated about the Paris thin. Um, in Paris yeah. thin, it is a, it is a real term. It sounds kind of crazy oh. on paper, Paris thin. It's kind yeah. of an interesting terminology. Um, but it is, it is a very common term used in the France fashion market. Um, as far as, you know, models, um, you know, purposely starving themselves to get down to a, let's just say a triple zero or a double zero to fit into, you know, high fashion couture for the fashion weeks. Um, I've heard stories myself. Um, from other girls who have been um, involved in the Paris fashion scene, whether it be fashion weeks or, um, you know, couture or, you know, anything along those lines. And there's been girls that have starved themselves uh, so much to the point where um, they don't want to eat and they're almost afraid to eat, but to fill their stomach, they eat cotton balls um, to really, you know, make themselves feel less, you know, less starving and more full. Um, so they don't eat food. They, you know, cotton balls, because of course, cotton balls, they don't have any calories. Um, so they, that's kind of a a dark story that I can share. Um, I interviewed a model that I invite on the show. Um, she's from France. She's incredible. Again, another incredible model. She's so beautiful. She's incredible. And she spoke and she spoke to me on the show and stating, because I asked her, I said, well, you've been, you know, you're, you're a French model. Um, you know, is this kind of the same way for you? And she was very familiar with the terminology Parisian as well. Um, she was very familiar too. So it's, it's interesting, you know, the French market, um, it, it's been interesting. It's been very interesting. Also, um, the inclusivity factor of it all as well in the American market, yep. American fashion market, we're moving more towards an inclusive image and a more um, inclusive commercial image. Um, but there are a lot of states that aren't, or not states, excuse me, countries that um, are, are not really on that train yet. 
um, which makes me sad because, you know, there's many opportunities here, many opportunities, but there's not many opportunities over here um, in other countries, which makes it very unfortunate because the market becomes very narrow and Mm -hmm. less models or less aspiring models get, they don't get as many opportunities. Um, So it's, it's very, I, I guess, very closed off. Um, to a lot of models um, that, again, are in other um, countries, um, especially over in Europe and Asia. So it's it's been interesting. I actually I also talked to um, another model. She was speaking about um, the Asian market. And she said, yeah. you know, in the United States, every model has to we have to find our own gigs. <laughs> we have to do everything ourselves. Um, and there's no one really to help us. Um, so in a lot of ways, I can relate to that too, because there isn't a lot of, you know, let's just say there isn't an instruction manual or a handbook when yeah. you first get flying to an agency. You are very yeah. much navigating this industry on your own and, you know, very, you know, uh, scary because you, you don't know what's, it's like, I like to consider it as falling down the hole in Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> You're like, yeah. where am I? Who are these people? What is this? Um, Cause there's a lot going on. So yeah, it's very interesting. It's very interesting. So I've, I've learned a lot. It's, it's very educational for me. Um, but yeah, also the American market too, um, as far as, you know, the checks not coming in right away. Um, mm. There's no union for models. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's models that I've known that they've, been on a gig and they didn't get paid for like a year after so that's also oh a concern that I've heard from not just one but many models um that I've again I've spoken with so yeah a lot of a lot of uh a lot of uh revelations for sure <laughs> a lot of a lot of interesting stories <laughs> yeah and I would imagine that it can be a little bit tricky to get into the modeling industry without a handbook because traditionally models start out quite young and it's just an environment where there's a lot of adults around a lot of adults that are meant to be looked at as authority figures and we are taught as kids to trust authority figures so you know throwing a teenager into a room with a bunch of adult men can probably be a little bit scary sometimes when there's no handbook rule book union anyone to represent you unless you happen to be taking a parent with you who's very loud or you get scouted by the right people. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, I've always been scouted by just incredible people. Um, My mother was like my momager. She didn't leave my side. (laughs) I'd be like, mom, leave me alone. (laughs) Um, Mom. But she was always right next to me. So I was always very like protected, but I've heard very bad, very traumatic stories from a lot of Um, girls who again got in this industry very young just like as I did but they didn't have a parent or a guardian really helping them or they got signed with the wrong agency and they had to face the consequences of that and they had to face the um, traumatic subjection of that whether it was you know sexual objectification or misogyny or what have you so I've heard a lot of different stories um, and a lot of common stories unfortunately of you know um, girls that are sharing you know very similar um, stories and it's 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 sad. It's very sad. Um, but myself, no, I've never really had any experiences like that. Um, because again, I, I've always, my, my circle around me as a young girl was, was very tight. Um, so I, it still is, my family's always, you know, been there for me. They're all, I'm so close with them as ever, um, in present day, but especially as a teenager, you know, I mean, my mom was, oh my gosh, she was like (laughs) magnetized to me. (laughs) She didn't leave my side once. (laughs) Was Was she nervous with you starting out this career? No, 
no, she was, my parents have always been very supportive. They were like, wow, you know, like, do, go do what you want to do, you know, have fun and, you know, have some fun and, and do what you want to do. And, uh, you know, my parents were always kind and uh, they always supported me. Yeah. And also sitting right there going, and we're right here when you need <laughs> yep. us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. My mom, oh my gosh, I used to make my mom drag out like, oh my gosh, racks and racks and racks of clothes, you know, down the street of like Boston. And oh my gosh, I would, and mom, did you bring my leather pants? Mom, do you have my, my portfolio with me? Mom, do you have my leather trench or something like that? You know, I was, oh my gosh, I was, yes, she was, she was my, uh, my momager. <laughs> I love moms. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and when you're, talking about especially especially mental health for women um are you maybe getting a little bit into like business as well as um the fashion industry like have you experienced anything in your business life where uh, you mentioned the word misogyny um where maybe you felt a little bit put down by you know other business people <clears throat> men by chance um, no i mean i wouldn't say Good. men particularly um, but I, I started my entrepreneurial life very young. I was 20. Yeah. And um, that was interesting for me because the digital design, I started out with my digital design company and um, the digital design uh, industry or any graphic design industry, it is male dominated. Um, there are a lot of you know women active in that industry, but there are also a lot of men that are very active in that industry as well. So I was actually very intimidated by that industry when I first you know started out. Um, very intimidated, <laughs> very intimidated, um, because here I had gone from being a fashion model to here I am starting a full-on company that's taking off very quickly. How do I navigate this and how do I really maneuver this in a way to the point where I'll be taken seriously to the public? Um, it wasn't, I didn't put a whole lot of pressure on myself. Um, let's just say like the first couple months, cause I was still navigating myself. But then once when I started doing press and things like that, I told myself, Oh, okay. I, I think it's time for me to really change my image, um, you know, and it wasn't really a, a thing that I really wanted to do as far as the change my image thing. Um, it was more so something that I felt like I, it was like a necessity for me to really gain more of, you know, some, some control over not just my image, but also myself as a businesswoman and how I was perceived to the public on a public display and on a public view. Um, so it's funny because I, I started out in my entrepreneurial life again, I was 20 and I started out with long, long hair, longer than I have now and, uh, very long hair and very girly and, and very, you know, and I went from that to chopping off all of my hair. I had a slick back bob <laughs> that I would straighten every day and I'd slick back with gel Yep. And I would wear blazers, you know, like men's clothes. I would wear like men's pantsuits with like a blazer. And I would take, you know, when I was doing press and things like that, um, you know, all obviously, you know, they would want to want photos for me for the articles or whatever it was. And I would always be photographed with my hair slicked back, short, 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 and have a men's oversized blazer on. And I remember just looking into those cameras and the, those photos and giving a bold, very stern look into the camera. But it was 
that's what I felt like I needed to do in order to really navigate myself and maneuver myself effectively um, in this industry to be taken seriously in the beginning. Once I became more established, obviously, I started growing my hair out, which is still growing out to this day. Um, but that was only like a year after where I felt truly comfortable, where I'm like, okay, I made my name, uh, my image is out there. Um, I'm established. My name's out there. I put my name on the map. Um, you know, but it, it was it was definitely a interesting mental uh part for me because uh never in a million years did I ever think I would have to change my image or feel like I needed to change my image that much in order to let's just say gain respect from let's just say the public yeah. eye to look serious as they think that you should <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so I take yeah. it that that's some of your boundary setting to protect yeah. your mental health correct yeah yeah, it was like no one told me to ever do that. Um, no one ever told me to cut my hair. No one ever told me how to dress. But it was more so a me thing. You know, I felt like, okay, you know what? Like, maybe I don't I don't want to be really the girly girl anymore. You know, maybe I want to change up my image and, you know, really not only prove to other people, really. It wasn't really about ever proving to people, but really proving to myself that, hey, you know what? I can go in a male-dominated industry and I can be young and I can be successful, but I can do it in a way that is is really you know bold and i'm unafraid and i'm not afraid to really do something different um you know so yeah but it was also to be taken seriously of course you know i, I wanted to be taken as seriously as a, as a professional um so yeah i guess i kind of did give into it a little bit <laughs> but uh you know at that point i i was i had to i felt like that was the only thing that i could really do so you talk a lot about self-image and embracing your own creativity and everything like that. So how did that play into this process of transitioning from, you know, modeling full-time, I assume, to starting your own businesses and changing your look for yeah. that? Yeah, I, I think for me, I like to think of myself as just like what I said before, being a canvas um, for myself. No woman or man should ever be afraid of the reinvention process. We are our own reinventors. We are our own creations. We should never be afraid to experiment, express, or, you know, really just engage in being who we are. Um, no matter what that, you know, no one ever stays the same. <laughs> and if we did stay the same, that'd be kind of boring, right? <laughs> it would. Uh, a little boring. Yeah, yeah. It would be a little boring. So within my own, uh, within my own experiences, I look back on, you know, was I in a, a rather weird place when I made that decision to chop off all my hair? And, and, you know, of course, but over time, have I evolved it into my own personal style? Yes. Um, I look back on my style from years ago and I look back to now and I say, wow, I went, look at how I went from point A to point B, but I did it in such a creative, expressive, experimental, honest, authentic, raw, real way. And um, if anything, that just makes me celebrate myself and express myself and be proud of myself even more. Um, I think, you know, and this also plays into fashion too. Fashion is, is it's a language of its own. Um, as individuals, you know, we should never be afraid to wear what we want or how we want. Um, let's not follow trends, <laughs> you know? Let's not Thank follow you. trends. Yes. You know, yes. let's not, right? <laughs> let's do what we want to do, have fun. And uh, yeah. just, just be ourselves is, you know, at the end of the day, the only person that we can really be is ourselves. So, well, that's a very good point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's excellent. I love the, love that. And how did, when did you start mm, saying to yourself, even that you advocate for mental health? Was it tied a little bit to this time in your life? 
Um, no, I mean, yes and no. I, I feel like when I was uh, starting my first company and when I when I did have the image shift, um, was it difficult? Yes. Was it difficult for me mentally? Yes, because I was so accustomed to seeing this other person in the mirror for so long. <laughs> yeah. So when I shifted my image, I was like, wait, wait, who is that? So I didn't really recognize myself for a minute. I was like kind of still adjusting. <laughs> yeah. Um, which was, you know, which was a little mentally confusing for me, but it didn't, it didn't really, uh, you know, uh, what's the word it, it didn't really make me feel bad about myself it didn't really I didn't really stall or stop in any way I kept going mm-hmm. um but yeah as far as mental health I, I think during that point um yeah I, I just really wanted to experiment not just within my own like creative voice as an entrepreneur or as an advocate um or as you know an artist but do it in a way where I, I could feel like I could be multiple things all at once. And that's kind of where the multifaceted mindset really came in for me. Um, I always wanted to be multifaceted, even from a young age. Um, I remember my mom would ask me growing up, well, what do you, or my parents would ask me growing up, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I would, I would list like four things. <laughs> and that's how I am today, yeah. you know? So Seems accurate. <laughs> yeah. So I, I've had a lot of taking back my power moments especially in my early 20s and now that I'm in my mid-20s I look back on those those times where I took back my power and I'm like wow I was taking back my power so young even as a teenager I was taking back my power but I'm still doing it now so I'm still having moments like that and I, I think it's important as women um to acknowledge those things acknowledge those take my power back moments because again those are the moments that help us embrace not only each other, but also ourselves. Um, so I think it's just really about, you know, wanting to never limit yourself. I always say that, uh, never limit yourself and uh, just want to go through with every facet that you can. Um, you know, there's been people that have, you know, asked me and they're like, well, how do, how do you juggle it all? How do you balance your life? How do you do this? How do you do that? And I always say, you know, brainstorm, never limit yourself, but, but keep everything intact with yourself. You know, you don't want to spread yourself too thin. You don't want to go full steam ahead because then you'll end up in a creative burnout, which we do not want. (laughs) No one wants that, including myself. So yeah, just again, trial and error, accepting trial and error and um, just going with the flow. I know it's kind of a, a blunt or kind of a, you know, brash answer, but it's so true. It's so true. Go with the flow, embrace your challenges, embrace your reinventions, embrace your taking your power back moments. Because again, those are the moments that really help us, help us discover ourselves and discover each other. Awesome. What do you you find yourself relying on any particular like daily rituals or anything to give yourself that confidence? Or is there anything that you do day to day to just remind yourself, I'm a badass. I'm going to go do oh, it. I don't know if I'm a badass. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> You're a badass. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, yeah. I mean, I love affirmations. I think everybody yes. does. Affirmations yeah. are great. I'm sure you do too. Uh, yeah. Affirmations are great. Quotes. I'm definitely a quote person. I love quotes, 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 quotes. I uh, can never get enough of them. Listen to a good song. There's music that has helped me uh, along my own reinvention process. And I just find every, it's funny. I actually have a playlist um that each song represents a different um year of my life um and so there's 26 songs in honor of you know I'm gonna be 26 in May we're only a few months away (laughs) but I still have my uh I have one yeah I have one for my 26 that's coming up um so yeah I I think that's been a huge healing point for me too is just kind of dissecting my life but in a musical or artistic uh way 
such as songs. Um, also poems. I love poems. I'm definitely a huge poem girl. I love poetry. Uh, so just little artistic things like that. You know, journaling, obviously journaling has been a huge thing for not just myself, but other people in my life as well. A lot of my friends, um, we sometimes even like share our own journals. I'm like, well, what did you write? And what did you write? You know, what can we do better? How can we help ourselves? Um, just things like that. You know, they're little things, but they add up to big things is what I'll say. That's awesome. What is there? What is your 26th song? Oh gosh, it's so funny because I actually have two I'm contemplating. Okay. Um, one by Britney Spears, "Hold Me Closer," Ooh. with yeah. Elton John. I love that yep. song so much. And <laughs> one by Taylor Swift. So there's, oh, yeah. there's a few ones. Yeah, there's a few ones. There's a few. There's a few good ones. But I love Taylor Swift too. I love all of her music. I love Britney Spears. I think Britney Spears is a legend. Um, I read yeah. her book and it was incredible. Oh, that's good. Okay. Yeah, I'm so curious about it as well. Oh, read it. It's oh, it's incredible. Yeah, I need to do that. Yeah. Incredible. And even Taylor Swift, like these are two women that have gotten a lot of criticism over the years, also badasses. So yeah. yeah speaking, <laughs> speaking of criticism, I imagine that you get some of it from time to time. How do you deal with it? Especially because, you know, in the, in the modeling industry, you're going to get criticism for your physical appearance at times, which is really rough for people. And then I would imagine that you just get, you know, all sorts of, with the amount of people who follow you, all sorts of criticism for all sorts of unnecessary reasons. So how do you deal with that? Or do you just ignore it? Just like, yeah. Oh. I mean- Oh, yeah. I mean, we all deal with it, right? I'm sure you have to every human being has even has either dealt with, you know, something like that in real life or online. I feel like it's more common online because online is so accessible. (laughs) Easy to, Uh, yeah, it's easy to be an ass online, that's for sure. (laughs) It is, it is. It's easy. It's so easy uh, to fall into that, unfortunately, uh, as far as, you know, being subjected to that negativity or that hatefulness or that, you know, unkindness, if you will. Um, for me, I don't know. You know, I I don't really really pay attention to it. I kind of just have blinders on, and I'm like kind of just focused on my life and yeah. uh, my family and my friends and my work and my you know this and that. But um, from time to time, yeah, I've had I've had some things um, that have happened. But you know, I as far as people attacking me and things like that, but I don't I don't like give them that much power. I I kind of like to just kind of move on. Um, you know, you can't, I love this quote, uh, you can be the juiciest peach in the room, but not everybody will like peaches. <laughs> True. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's, you can't win everybody over, you can't please everybody. And that's something that I've kind of learned, not just like throughout my modeling life, but also within my entrepreneurial life. There's always going to be a critic, there's always going to be a comment, there's always going to be someone saying something, and it is what it is. It's, you know, that's just human nature. Um, humans are sometimes really mean, and that's just the way it goes. Not everybody's going to going to support you or your career or support you, you know, just in general. And that's okay. Um, we just have to, you know, carry on with our life and um, you know, just kind of one year out the other. And that's kind of what I've what I've been doing for the past, let's just say 10, 12 years, uh, you know, just kind of one year out the other, you know. 
Women are often celebrated as the pillars of our community, but we also face significant health risks impacting our well-being and our full potential. Now, more than ever, we need women to feel healthy, empowered, and confident in making bold decisions that serve us and our community. In celebration of International Women's Week, join me, Leah Van Dolder, registered dietitian and mindset coach at the Women's Wealth and Wellness Summit. It's happening here on March the 5th at the Georgian Bay Hotel in Collingwood. At the summit, women, you will learn how to unlock your limitless potential and maximize your health and impact so you can live an abundant life. For more summit details, visit leahvandolder.com slash wealth in wellness. It's amazing the amount of power you get back when you just tell yourself, I don't have to make the people happy who are not happy. Another taking back your power moment. Heck yeah. Yeah. What else should we know, Nikki? What else should we know about you? What else should we know about just feeling confident about the 70 billion companies that you have started? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just honestly, I I think um, I had one person tell me recently, oh, you're like, you're like a role model to me. And I think that's, I think that's cool, but I don't, I would never want to be seen as a role model. I would always want to be seen as an inspiration. I think when we inspire each other, it's beautiful. Inspiration is is just so beautiful. I mean, I, I'm inspired by so much in my daily life and I hope others are as too. Um, you know, I could be like walking on the street and I could see like a t-shirt or something or a street sign and I could be instantly inspired by that. Anything can really just gravitate me really. And I, I would love everyone to really capture and embody that mindset as well, because it's so important. You know, life goes by really, really fast and it doesn't have to go by fast though. You know, we can take it at our own pace and we can learn from each other and we can grow as well within the process. Um, We only live once too. I always like to say this, like we only live once and why are we going to waste our time, you know, looking at our like count or looking at our follower count or looking at our views or, you know, why would we waste our time, our precious time on this earth doing that? There are so many better things to do. Um, You know, watch a movie with your best friend, watch a movie with your parents, you know, go for a hike, go for a jog, buy some flowers, buy someone else flowers, uh, pat a dog that's walking down the street on the sidewalk or something, you know, spark up a conversation with a stranger in the line at a grocery store, you know, just do simple things like that. It sounds really corny and it sounds really crazy saying these things because I think everyone's heard these things in their life, but it's the little things that really matter, you know, and that's, you know, that's how we can inspire each other is just, you know, going through with the little things. Yeah. And I find that it's always the little things that make us so ridiculously happy, but we just get so caught up in all of the other stuff in life, all the things that we have to do. Like we have to cook food for the kids and we have to drive them to (laughs) hockey practice and we have to go to tomorrow. And this weekend we definitely can't have any fun because our parents are coming. Um, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we get caught up in the stuff and then we forget to enjoy all of the little things that actually bring us joy. So, yeah. But you are extremely busy and you still seem to find joy in, in things. So be like Nikki. <laughs> you, you can be yeah, busy. Yeah, find still a notice the good things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <that's true>. yeah. <laughs> find a balance, you know. 
uh, yeah, I just love what you said too. You know, life is chaotic. Oh my gosh, you know, my life is really chaotic sometimes. You know, I'm like meeting, meeting, meeting. Oh, meet you, meet you. Oh, meet this person, meet that person. Oh, oh, uh, you know, which is which is really fun and really cool. Um, so I, I love I love connecting with other people. I love networking. You know, that's that's the best thing that I've best thing that I've that I've had within my career so far. Not only as like a model, but also as an entrepreneur, just connecting with other people. Um, I love meeting new people. I love also meeting people from inter- like internationally too. I love meeting other yeah. people from other countries. It's so cool. You know, it's yeah. so cool because they have so many different experiences than you. And you're like, whoa, know. like, wow. You know, so it's really cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, just trusting the process, trusting the process of life and not taking it too seriously and being ha- <laughs> trying to be as happy as you can be, <laughs> even, though it's hard, even though it might be hard sometimes. <laughs> well, for you, and figure out what makes you happy and then do those things. Like it's not that complicated but we definitely overcomplicate it that's for sure <laughs> definitely definitely yeah stress will do that stress will do that <laughs> yeah stress yeah it's true well do you have a ridiculously happy moment for us and you said that you have a few so I am intrigued to hear which one you pick oh gosh I have a lot I mean first of all my dog my dog oh my mm-hmm. gosh he keeps me happy he keeps me going he keeps me happy he keeps me inspired he keeps me oh my gosh everything he brings so much energy to my life my dog he's uh he's gonna be three in may um yeah he's a siberian husky and he looks like a wolf and he's just my baby he's the cutest little thing and um he's just he's my whole world i love that dog um i love all animals rex (laughs) that's a good rex yeah, it means, it means king in Latin, Rex. Yeah, he's 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 my king, he's my baby. Um, and yeah, any animal too. I think animals are just so therapeutic, and animals are just so beautiful. I always like to like say like keep have a dog, or if you can't get a dog, get like a cat. If you can't get a cat, get a fish. Like you know <laughs> what I mean? Just you know, have have like animals around you. They're so grounding. They're so peaceful, and they can really help you not just with your mental health, but also with your physical oh, yeah. well-being as well. Um, yeah. and they keep you happy. Yeah, they keep. I mean, my dog keeps me happy so much. So I would say that I also have a hedgehog as well. I I love hedgehogs. Uh, <laughs> so cute. They're so cute. <laughs> so cute. Yeah, she's she's gonna be five or uh, five or six. Yeah, she's she's another my my prickle my prickle baby. <laughs> Uh, her name's Willow. So any animal. Um, and then also my family, my family keeps me happy. My family has been my number one from the start of my whole life, my career, my life. Um, my family keeps me happy. And also just really artistic people, like really, really, really artistic people, not just within the fashion industry, but the, all, all my, all my career paths that I've, that I've been in, whether it's photography, fashion, um, you know, anything graphic design so many artistic people and I just love meeting them and really talking with them and just bouncing off my ideas and they're bouncing off their ideas to me and it just makes me so happy and inspired and it gives me the energy that I need to keep creating as a creator and as an individual and as an artist and so that also keeps me very happy but it also keeps me like super grounded as well so yeah I'd say all of those all of those keep me very ridiculously happy (laughs) Those are really good ones. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> what about I, you? My ridiculously happy moment is I just, well, I finished it, but this cup of tea that I've been drinking while we've been talking is from my favorite cafe that's just down the road. So Ooh. I got a new little jar of my favorite tea and caffeine is fantastic. And um, yeah, delicious. 
That's great. I know I need to start drinking tea. I'm not really much of a caffeine drinker, but I kind of want to start getting more involved with like green tea because I feel like green tea is very um, healing and it has a lot of health benefits. So I might start getting into that in the new year. We'll see. <laughs> Apparently it has an absurd number of uh, antioxidants in a cup. Yes, so I heard about that. Fantastic. And I find yeah. it delicious, but some people don't like bitter tasting things. But if you're even thinking about it, you must, you know. So you're good. <laughs> yeah, definitely. definitely. So where can people find you? And I would love if you could um, let them know where they can find your businesses as well and your podcasts and everything. Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me on social media. My Instagram is at Nikki Seagal. N-A-K-K-I-C-G-A-L. And you can find myself and my website and my companies on my website, which is NikkiGal.com. Um, I'm also on IMDB. Um, and then I also have just a lot of like other things that I've done as far as my podcast um, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, as well as Amazon Music and Audible. So my my podcast is on all the major streaming platforms. Um, and so I'm really excited about all the projects. And again, thank you so much for having me on your fabulous show. This has been such an amazing opportunity. And again, thank you so much for having me on and inviting me. Um, I love just women that do what they want to do in life and have these incredible platforms that just not only spread awareness and spread positivity, but also just spread community too. Um, I think it's so important to have, you know, just you and I woman to woman have these conversations and also inspire other women to do the same within their own lives. I think it's very magical and we need more of it. So thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much. And thank you for doing the podcast as well. This is fantastic. Incredible. Incredible. Hey, Becky Waples here from the episode called Stop Negative Self-Talk with Becky Waples. You can listen to that episode on the Ridiculously Happy People cast, wherever you listen to your podcasts. I wanted to pop in with a quick story about something that has made me ridiculously happy. And that was yesterday was Valentine's Day and I got Crest and Crackle pizza dough. It was only $5 for a full pizza. It was beautiful. It tasted delicious. We made the best heart pizza, like pizza shaped in a heart. Um, my boys helped me make it. My boys helped me turn the dough in, do everything with it. And, um, we had a really, really fun night last night and, um, I got flowers from the boys and it was a great Valentine's day. That's a wrap on this episode. I'm Sophia Lemon. I photograph ridiculously happy people and you can find me at sophialemon.com at ridiculously happy PPL on Instagram and on Facebook and Pinterest. Has someone made you smile recently? Or maybe you're feeling proud of an achievement or perhaps something just absurd or embarrassing has happened and you can't stop laughing about it. Head over to happyp.pl slash record and tell us your ridiculous story. You may hear it on the next episode of the Ridiculously Happy People cast. And if you've loved this episode but aren't ready to shout it from the rooftops, subscribing and leaving us a rating and a review will make us ridiculously happy. You can do that right in your podcast app. Thanks for listening. Until next time, stay happy and remember, life's short, but there's always plenty of time to be ridiculously happy.